Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Hey, 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 welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio, and yes, I am your host, Rob Watson. Um, I'm so excited about this show today, um, as I am all our shows, but this one is should be super cool. Um, we have the stunningly handsome, and I'm only telling you that because we're only audio and you can't see him, um, at least you can't see him here, but uh, the one and only Garrett Clayton is with us, and we are launching his brand new anthem, Barbie Boys which is one of those songs, <clears throat> forget Padam Padam, this is the, the anthem for the summer. Um, and it plays off of, obviously, the Barbie movie. Um, uh, Garrett has got his finger on the pulse of pop culture in a very big way. Um, a few years ago, he did a, a music video of I Got a Spell on You uh, right at the, the rekindling of uh, Hocus Pocus and um, did his version of that and was fantastic. He's mega viral on TikTok and Instagram with his dance and music videos. Uh, He is famous for, this guy is so, so busy, I can't even tell you, but um, he he is um, well known for a couple of uh, pop um, movies and shows including um, Hairspray Live, Teen Beach Movie, Teen Beach Movie 2, The Fairly Odd, Very Odd Parents, um, the live edition, um, which my boys were fans of um, the the cartoon for years and years and years. Um, Plus, he's been in dramatic movies. Um, He is, uh, he's, played the romantic lead often because he is like a face. He's like Helen of Troy. He's like modern version Helen of Troy. I'm sure somewhere, somewhere, some king would have gone to war for him because of his just physical beauty. But he's so much more than that. He is a musical talent. He's a dance talent. He's an acting talent. And, um, yeah, so as you can see, I'm very excited to talk to him. Um, but first, we're going to go to Brody Levesque. Brody is the producer and co-host of the show. Uh, Brody is also the editor of the Los Angeles Blade magazine, which is the magazine that you should be checking out on a daily basis. Um, the Los Angeles Blade and the Washington Blade, the sister publication, won the coveted Um, uh, Outstanding Journalism Award from GLAAD this year, well-deserved because of their unique approach to journalism and bringing the news that the LGBT community, among others, needs to know to the forefront. And so first, going to see what is going on in the world. Brody, welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon to all of our listeners So I'm going to start off with a highly anticipated and everybody is in the moment excited, waiting for 
movie that is uh, coming out tomorrow on Amazon Prime. In some cases, it's already debuted. Um, it is based uh, on a book um, that was written a few years ago uh, by author Casey McQuiston entitled Red, White, and Royal Blue. Uh, Amazon uh, Prime acquired the rights to the film. Uh, the movie uh, starring Taylor Zakar Perez and Nicholas Gozolpsin, I always mess up Nicholas's last name, uh, debuts. Um, it is a story of the son of the President of the United States who in, basically falls in love with um, a member of the royal household in England and the ensuing chaos. This was a highly anticipated film uh, for this summer. It was right up there with Heartstopper 2, which debuted last week, uh, which, by the way, that's on Netflix. If you haven't had a chance, go watch season two of Heartstopper. So that is in the entertainment news. And then we just wrapped up six days of Taylor Swift, uh, who was in town with her Eras tour. Uh, amazing shows. Uh, my entertainment writer, uh, who covers our music beat, Noah Christensen, uh, wrote up a brilliant piece uh, under music and concerts uh, on the uh, show at Inglewood's uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. The tour continues. Uh, Taylor's had sellout crowds everywhere she's gone this year. It's been amazing. The story, though, that I need to shift to is one that is not fun. Uh, one of my uh, investigative journalists has been working for a period of time uh, on a background look at what's going on with the Trevor Project. The Trevor Project, as everyone knows, uh, has been the longtime uh, resource for suicide prevention and mental health crises for uh, LGBTQ plus youth. And of course, in the last two and a half years, with a virtual tsunami, a tsunami of anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-lesbian legislation and other restrictions and book bannings, and it's just been crazy. Um, a lot of kids uh, and a lot of young people are feeling out of sorts. And uh, the Trevor Project, which has been, you know, kind of the stalwart for, you know, these kids to be able to know that they could go someplace for help and a counselor and to, you know, maybe avert a suicide crisis, um, have been having problems getting in because in the last two years, the Trevor Project has fallen into complete disarray. There's been financial problems, staff dissension. There was union busting, long wait times or calls going unanswered. Uh, there's been all these issues that have been plaguing uh, the Trevor Project. And so we took a look at it. It's an investigative piece. It's at LosAngelesBlade.com and at the WashingtonBlade.com. Um, I was the managing editor. Um, my uh, friend and the editor of the Washington Blade, Kevin Knapp, did the primary editing after we were done with the story. It's a compelling story, but it's also a cautionary tale of what happens when an organization loses sight of what its mission was, what it was founded for, and then overextends itself. So um, it, it's a very, very lengthy uh, piece, um, and, it, and it's well worth your uh, looking at. It's on either paper. Uh, Trevor Project in Crisis, and uh, go take a look. Is it the sad thing about this is that the Trevor Project over the years has been infused with a considerable amount of financial resources, including uh, 
money from the federal government. Uh, the Trevor Project was the lead LGBTQ resource agency when the federal government created the 988 suicide hotline. Uh, so. All this money's been poured in, and now suddenly Trevor's got no money, and the question is, where'd the money go? Then on top of that, of course, is the primary issue, and that's the hotlines, the chat lines, and the other ways that LGBTQ youth communicate uh, to crisis counselors. And, you know, a kid, especially an adolescent, and we're defining that someone ages 14 to 24 because that's adolescence, they live in the moment. It's instant gratification, instant resourcing right then. You know, adolescents have blinders and tunnel vision, if you will. They don't see beyond that. And so for them, the crisis is the crisis of the moment. If they cannot get help at the moment and in the crisis, it can have devastating and in some cases fatal results. So what we're looking at now is an organization that was sole purpose founded serve LGBTQ youth to prevent suicide, to help with mental health crises, and now it has come under fire because it is literally imploding. So this story uh, by one of our journalists covers this. Uh, I beseech everyone uh, to please go read this. Uh, it's, it's critically important. We've had on the show as guests um, other folks from other LGBTQ youth organizations uh, and obviously nonprofits that are aimed towards helping the community. We've had folks on from uh, PFLAG. We've had folks on from the Rainbow Youth Project, uh, Sarah Cunningham and the Free Moms Hugs. Um, and almost everyone is more or less in kind of a state of shock and, and just – to them, it's just this is inconceivable. It's like, what happened? And the problem is that there's so much going on now, especially with our LGBTQ youth, that having Trevor offline for all intents and purposes in most cases is uniformly devastating. And these other organizations just simply don't have the resources. Uh, Rainbow Youth Project, uh, which is based in Indianapolis and is run by our good friend Lance Fleischman, you know, Lance and his crew are doing the best they can, but they're smart. So this is something that needs addressing. Uh, we've approached Trevor. We haven't heard back from them. I am going to say we probably will in short order. Uh, but this is the type of story that, quite frankly, at the end of the day, as much as I hate reporting it, this is part of the mission of what we do as journalists, and that's to hold folks accountable. And that includes nonprofits and especially in our space of LGBTQ uh, plus, you know, the nonprofits that are supposed to be there for our community and for our kids. So uh, that's kind of my basic summary of the news this week. We've had a couple of other things happen um, that uh, I think are a little bit noteworthy. Uh, Senior Senator Dianne Feinstein, a longtime ally of the community, took a bad spill uh, in her home yesterday, and she was briefly hospitalized. The 90-year-old U.S. senator has said that she will not be running for re-election uh, in 2024 next year. Uh, but again, you know, with falls and other issues with shingles and a few other things, a lot of folks in the Democratic establishment, especially in California, are questioning, you know, her wanting to stay on. And the pressure is now on to get her to step down. 
which would allow California Governor Gavin Newsom to appoint someone uh, to take her spot until the election uh, next year. And it's a real concern because the senator, quite frankly, just doesn't look good. And then the last thing, and, and I just have to mention this because it's just one of those stories, that uh, Hillsborough County, Florida, which is the Tampa Bay area, Tampa itself, the school system there decided that they're going to ditch Shakespeare because of the state's don't say gay law. Um, and if you're a student in Hillsborough County, um, basically you're just going to be taught excerpts uh, of uh, the English bard and poet, but you're not going to get the whole uh, the whole course because that's off limits. Uh, and the school board cited the Parental Rights and Education Act, which of course the rest of us are calling the don't say gay law. Um, and at this point, uh, the school board is being unrepentant about it, although parents and a lot of students uh, are upset about it. One person uh, actually noted, and this is a reading teacher in the district speaking to the Tampa Bay Times, that the rest of the nation, though, the rest of the world is laughing at us, taking Shakespeare in its entirety out because, for example, the relationship between Romeo and Juliet is somehow exploiting minors. It's just absurd. Uh, and that's a basic summary of this week, uh, some of the stories that we're covering, the stories that we're watching. Yeah, just a couple of comments there, Brody. <clears throat> One is um, people need to be aware with Diane Feinstein that she's being an absolute hero by holding on to her seat because should she step down, and it sounds really good that Gavin Newsom would just appoint someone else to go in there, but uh, they, that would leave her vacancy on the Judiciary Committee open, and they've got to get through the Republicans to get somebody else in there if she gets um, somebody replaced in her stead, which means no more Democratic um, judges coming out of there. So she needs to be getting kudos for hanging on, and, and people who are calling for her to step down early need to take a really sober look at what they're asking for. Um, uh, also on the Shakespeare thing, Shakespeare was body. Shakespeare did have a lot of stuff in it that, um, and we actually in high school, we loved finding that stuff out, but it is classic. And this is, you know, they're literally shutting down education period. And that is atrocious on the Trevor project. We absolutely have to do something about that. We collectively as a community, we need that resource. We need that propped up. We need that there for kids. And I'm going to share something, Brody, that I don't think you're aware of, and um, I don't think Garrett, our guest, is aware of. But um, as I was preparing for the show, Garrett's got such a bulk of work out there in terms of music videos and a lot of just really cool stuff that is all Garrett Clayton. And obviously, all of Garrett's stuff is very pro-LGBT. Um, when I was on YouTube um, clicking on another um, Garrett Clayton video, you know, there's usually these ads that come up ahead of the video. Well, this one was something from this place called Epic Films, and it was a talking about uh, trans kids, and the it is obviously a propaganda film um, portraying the parents of trans kids. These are kids who whose parents are not supportive who are being portrayed as the enemy and just a, a, a massive propaganda film. 
And this is being put in a place where these kids are watching videos. This is their space. So we absolutely need the Trevor Project because they are coming after these kids in a place where we need to protect them. But kind of heads up, Brody, that's a place where I would do some investigative reporting. Not not that you don't do a good enough job on your own, but just heads up on that. <laughs> no so, problem. No problem. Anyway, I uh, want to get to our guest. Um, like I said, he has got a incredible career um, that he has already done and been part of and put out there for us all to enjoy. And he has something new that we're going to talk about today. Um, Garrett, welcome to the show. Hello. Um, there were so many points I wanted to jump in on. I just didn't know if I was allowed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we keep you silent up front and so we can talk about you in front of your back. But now is your opportunity. Yeah, go ahead and make those points. Well, that was a, first of all, thank you for such a, a wonderful introduction, but, um, you know, I really appreciate the work you all are doing in actually, in, uh, you know, real tangible investigative journalism and reporting on factual things that are happening. I think we all find a lot of, um, <laughs> without being uh, horrifying, but like, you know, just there's so much misinformation and there's so many people who are really trying to spin narratives and 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 make things not seem as bad as they are or make levity of someone else's uh trauma and it really is nice to see different ways that people are supporting um the different facets of our our queer family because you know i even personally i've every year i'm a part of different charity events and things to raise money for the community and um, try to be as involved as possible without um, making it, it, it's a hard balance to get involved in things without people thinking, you know, oh, you're just trying to get people to give you a pat on the back and attention when it's like, if, if I have any level of visibility and I, if that helps aid any charity or any person in making their life better or easier, then I'm happy to do it. I just don't want it to come across or to be utilized to be in a way that, you know, it's misconstrued. So I really uh, just, uh, it was really great to be here sitting at the top of this and listening to you both speak. Well, thank you. I I have to say, though, um, it's, I can see how people, because you are so good at, everything you do, but one of the things that you're particularly good at and that people have in media have used you for is, I mean, you can slay with a look. I mean, you can, you can go right to somebody's Prince Charming, oh, my God, I'm in love fantasy just by the way you look at them. And I think the downside to that is I'm, and I'm trying not to fanboy over you over all of that, but my bigger <laughs> admiration for you is actually the the flip side of, of the behind-the-scenes Garrett that, that comes from a place of heart. And, um, you know, the, you're, you did not start out as the popular guy in school and, you know, with all the girls swooning over you. You came from a place of 
being bullied and <clears throat> having to step up for yourself and um, survive. So you know you come from a place where you actually get it, but your work is kind of like owning it and saying that's all there, but we're going to be festive anyway and celebrating that. And so I just – and I guess my reason for pointing that out is I think it would be really easy to portray stuff that you have put out there that is pure fun, that is absolute joy – and go, that's not all he's about. I'm sure there's a question in there somewhere, but if you find one, let me know. <laughs> and feel free to answer. So, I, agree. I mean, you know, I, I appreciate you even, you know, if that's the takeaway from the work I'm putting out into the world, that means a lot to me because, you know, there's like the, 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 the typical, you know, regular things that you can do in the world, but part of the work I, I really try and show people or even in the work that I'm doing when I talk to young people, if you're, you know, if you're not in a safe environment, you have, you know, safety first, but if you can safely, you know, visibility is a part of activism, especially in today's, in, in the world we live in and the places that don't allow people to be who they are or, you know, I mean, even life-threatening areas. There's people I, I, you know, and I. There's so many, you know, LGBTQ people that I talk to who talk about. You know, there's so you get you get these either really supportive messages of people saying, you know, thank you for you know uh, being so out and open, and it gives me hope for the future. And then other people who are asking for help or want to know where there's resources. So, you know, part of the reason I am so visible in being in being gay or queer or whatever you call it because um is because i want if, if there's somebody who sees that and they're able to reach out and they can find resources that way that's okay too like you know not everyone has the ability to google something without the fear of someone in their family or friends finding it or don't doesn't feel safe looking you know asking questions like that whether it's in school or at work so if by me just putting up fun dance videos and slaying and some heels and that means that someone out there can either feel like hey i'm not alone in the world or that's a person i feel safe you know asking for help from then i'm i'm proud to be someone who can do that well you are somebody who does that because when you watch your videos and your dance videos it's the confidence that you have when you're doing them that I mean, you have style. I mean, that 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 is a given. It's like, and and you rock the heels. I mean, I would have broken ankles for days. But you know, you, you know, you are, you know, you're absolutely a master at, at at the craft and everything else. But the thing that, as a viewer, that you get left with is the confidence of, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not even going to question. I'm like out here filling the space and and being the person that I want to be and, you know, no shame, no, no, no hesitancy, nothing. And I think that's vitally important. And, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, it's what I'm all about when I've been writing about for years. Um, I adopted two little babies out of foster care 20 years ago. They're now 20 year old. And um, through my writing wrote letters to them, encouraging them 
to be who they are. And that's what I stand for as a dad is I couldn't wait to find out who they are and to be the, their own authentic self. And um, I think you and I are on the same page on that. Yours is, you know, on a completely different level where you literally are acting and portraying and and ex- exhibiting people being as they are, even though, and I want to talk to you about this in a few minutes, you were kind of put through a bad situation professionally um, as part of that process. Um, but before we talk about that, shall we play your song? Sure. Okay, we've got it all queued up, and I, I do want to play it because you've got to hear it. And if you're listening um, to a radio, you need to stand up because you're going to want to dance. Um, and if you're driving a car and listening, don't stand up because law enforcement doesn't like that. So um, but here we go. <laughs> here is Garrett Clayton with Barbie Boys. <laughs> Show me how you style up yourself. Do you shower, shave, and stretch till you're feeling fine? Do we want another drink before it's party time? Awesome. 
Bravo, bravo. <laughs> we should have Thank an audience you. just, you know, going into huge applause over that. But, um, yeah, okay, now I'm going to sit down again. Um, so, <laughs> Gary, you, you, um, you seem to always have your finger on the pulse of pop culture. I mean, everything you've done, not everything. Actually, that's one thing I want to say about for people listening. If if you want to make a statement about Garrett Clayton, never, ever use the term everything you've done because there's too much diversity there and there's so much uniqueness. But a lot of your projects have been very much finger on the pulse of pop culture. And obviously, if in case somebody didn't get the hidden meaning, meaning from Barbie Boys, you are absolutely leveraging the pop phenomena of Barbie right now. What um, what inspired that? Because obviously you you didn't just wake up after you saw the movie and do this. I mean, a lot of work went into this up front. <laughs> well, um, you know, I've been working with some people in Nashville the past um, year and a half, almost two years now, on a on a catalog of work, and this song in particular we were making last year with a slew of other songs that we were already making. And this one specifically, after we had finished, we were like, well, there's a movie coming out next year, so maybe we should just, maybe this can be the first one we release. And and I'm so grateful for the people that I am working with, because with uh, Jason Lenning and Melody Federer, who I made this one with, you know, they, I mean, they've worked with, every, like, just incredible talent. Like, you know, the Sixpence None the Richer, that, you know, that really famous album from the 90s with Kiss Me and a bunch of other songs. And, you know, Jason made that. with a, I mean, he's made, I think, if I'm not mistaken, around 300 albums. Melody has worked wow. with, uh, like, Pink and Barbara Streisand. Like, you name it. They've worked with, they've worked with everybody. And they're so unassuming and kind and collaborative and this was really born out of a co- two different things. There was, you know, the first part was when I was a kid, I used to play with, I used to love Barbies and I try every time I play with them, my dad would get really mad and my grandma would tell him he's, uh, am I allowed to swear? Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Fuck yeah. Ah! Well, my grandma was telling him, she basically, when he'd get mad and be like, why would you let him do that? He'd be like, you're being an asshole. He also has a GI Joe. He's just well-rounded. So, to me, I've always been and felt very comfortable in the, which I, I, I do love where, you know, the the world is going and, and really those who believe in, like, accepting culture is, like, freedom of expression, freedom of gender expression that any, you know, there's no, I, I don't believe clothes have a gender. I think it's silly. And it's also so limiting, and it also is subjective to the time period it exists. So there's a there there's a lot in this song for me that represents freedom of expression. And then the side to this, which I think some news articles maybe misconstrued this being about orgies, when it's really <laughs> it's really about um, there. There's a large element of this where when I would become friends with straight guys. And they were comfortable. They didn't care, and I didn't care, and it was fine. But there was always this lingering thing from their other, like, straight bros where they would have to, like, you know, really, you know, like the phrase no homo. And it was so like, yeah. prevalent 
growing up that, like, if I had straight friends, they were always trying to prove no homo just because they were friends with a gay guy. And it's to me, it's like, you know, that's why there's like the, the the verse about I'll t- I'll show you how to shop. I don't care, you know, just wear some good deodorant. Like, there's it's just supposed to be tongue in cheek about there's anybody can be friends with anybody, and whatever that means to them is fine as long as like, are you hurting anyone? Are you making anyone feel bad? And by just existing and by just having this friendship, and that to me. It's so silly for anyone to have to make excuses for an innocent friendship when anyone who's questioning that, it's more about them and their insecurities. And I always felt bad for my straight friends who had to, like, make excuses for why they were friends with me when, at the end of the day, they didn't want to have to make an excuse. They were just my friend, and we just got along. We had a lot of the same morals and values. And I can still be, you know, their girlfriends are happy that they – that their straight fr- their straight boyfriend husband whatever is very comfortable with people from different communities and that's okay. No, I think that's awesome. I'm, I'm kind of laughing a little bit because, and I don't I don't mean this in a condescending way at all. But I mean, let's face it, you're pretty, and you know, a guy, even a straight guy, I can see looking at you and going, "Why am I attracted to this person?" You know, it's like so. I'm <laughs> sure you. I'm sure there were some a little bit of hidden stuff going on there where you you may have actually inspired a little bit of confusion within them. But um, um, I, and I I love your analysis the um, Barbie Boys video because I think that that is all there and um, that's part of why I loved about it is it isn't it isn't superficial but it's definitely something you pick up and feel absolutely great listening to after you play it over and over and over and over again, which you should. Um, but Gary, I want to ask you, because you. you, you know, your work, your body of work is, I mean, you have a lot of things that I would put into this fun category of, of people can dance their ass off type places, but you have, you have films that you've done where you've dug deep. Um, you know, it's like where, You've dealt with characters with mental health issues and, you know, borderline suicide and, you know, those kind of dark places that are obviously not far away from the LGBTQ experience, especially when you've experienced bullying. Where is, what is the firewall for you between playing a part and having to walk through those emotions and keeping yourself safe? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of that, and this is why I always tell any kind of like young, specifically actors, but anyone who's going to want to work in entertainment, you know, I left college after a year, but I always tell people that doesn't mean that my training ended. I still work with vocal coaches regularly because I'm still doing musicals on stage. I'm still, you know, working in random TV shows and things or working on various characters, and it really is about finding a way to bring yourself into a role. And I know some people are method and they want to feel it and they want to live it for months, and that's totally okay. I always make sure people know, like, I respect everyone has their process and that's okay. Like I always say, you just, just if you're not hurting anybody and you're minding your own business, you do what you got to do. But 
for me, it's about finding those things, those, those like high points that really make it feel real. And I'm pulling from my real life. You know, I've dealt with suicide in my family. I've dealt with, you know, drug abuse and overdose and hoarding and um, abandonment. And there's a lot of things that, which is why I went to therapy, but I know that that makes it real and that it's coming from a real place from someone who's experienced it. And so I, my hope was that when people see those harder things in life that I am portraying, they feel an honest response from it. And it hopefully gives them some kind of therapeutic release because I know that's what it was for me. And that was an acknowledgement that I, I've taken those things on because I wanted to, because I felt like I had something to say on those topics. Well, and, and portrayed them beautifully, you know, and obviously from, from the heart and which obviously is going to reach people in their hearts as well. Um, I want to go back to earlier in your career um, when you were, you know, the ultimate teen heterosexual heartthrob um, character, and you were being managed by a group of people that were desperate to not keep you in the closet, but put you back in the closet. And then you got further in your career, you got flack for for um, misappropriating and being a quote unquote straight guy, taking on a gay role and put down from that. Um, what what is your insight on representation and all of that? And I have to tell you, it was painful for me to hear about that experience for you because I felt brought out the. Patrick Swayze and me wanting to run over the corner and shout out, you know, nobody puts Garrett in a corner and, or in the closet specifically <laughs> and pull you back out. But what was that like going through that arc of having to fight for being who you are? Um, I think it's interesting, you know, it's such a, it's such a layered answer for representation and roles because, it's everything is subjective to the project. Um, you know, ultimately there's, there's a few different, uh, it's hard because I battle with a couple different opinions that would probably conflict, but I think it's, like I said, subjective to the project. Like would some, like sometimes you have to sign on somebody in a role they normally wouldn't get or do simply because they have the, the foreign sales value for an investor to want to get the project made. Mm -hmm. And so then my answer to that is if that's the road you had to take because it's an underserved story, then make sure you fill out the rest of the roles with people who would otherwise never have the opportunity to be a part of a project of that caliber. And that way, yes, you may have had to cast someone in a role that they normally shouldn't be doing, but if that's what it took to get it made, then use that as the catalyst to give other people opportunity. But then on the flip side, there's so many really well-known, you know, properties that are getting made from books and podcasts and things where they're just casting people who shouldn't be in those roles, but it's because it's easier and less annoying to have to deal with a studio head complaining 
that that they cast someone who is actually queer in a queer role. So it's kind of subjective to the project, but for me it was hard because I had moved out here already being out. But then once I was coached on how I needed to be to get opportunity, the industry was just at a different place. And unfortunately, it's not in a much different – it's in a visibility sense, it is in a different place. But logistically, you're still seeing, you know, when you look at the statistics, most of the time it's hard. Like I've, it's been easier for me to book gay roles as a closeted gay man than it has been booking them as an out one. So it's hard for me to have um, more sympathy for the industry when I've firsthand watched the difference in opportunity. And I've been up for some you know, gratefully, I've been up for some amazing opportunities at the at the cusp of very, very big projects. And the only difference was on those cusps, I was booking those types of roles before I was out since post. But at the end of the day, I, while that was a really hard time, and I'm so grateful to my husband who really got me through it, and when I changed my name from Gary to Garrett, we decided Garrett would be a character as long as he had to be. That way I could protect myself mentally to get through it because we knew that at some point I was going to come out, but I had to get to a place where I did enough that when I came out, my career wasn't going to be shattered because of it because we've all read those stories. Mm-hmm. So I, we thought if I have to do this to get the opportunity to get to a place where I can come out, and yes, it will be harder after that, but I know that I'll be able to still pay my bills. And luckily I would have a voice to speak on the experience of not only going through that, but what it's like post that since having come out. And um, like I said, unfortunately the reality is I, I, I can, and I know people online are going to have mixed opinions or say he's ungrateful or annoying or complaining, but I I'm looking at it objectively. Like if I was a third party looking at this story and I knew everything that I do know, factually I have booked more queer roles as a closeted gay man than as an out one. And that is just a fact. And that's, I'm not bitter. I'm still pounding the pavement. And if anything, I am more busy now because I've, I I don't have that weird wall. I don't have friends that I feel like only know 50% of me or work relationships that I don't feel like I've, because that was a big struggle. Like I am, I, I work hard to be an honest person and it really felt like it made me feel like a bad person when I couldn't be honest about who I was, but I was flat out told like, you know, we have to do something about you being gay because nobody wants to fuck the gay guy. They want to shop with him. And that's a quote. That's not like a, that's not me just making something up. I was, right. we, you know, I would, casting was called to see how gay I came across. And then I'd get notes on how to, you know, walk into a room and how I would talk, how I had to stand the way I would walk, who I could associate with, how I was supposed to speak with them, the way I dressed, the way I posed in pictures, the way I answered interview questions. Like I, I played the old Hollywood game forced into it because unfortunately 12, 13 years ago when I moved here, that was the industry we worked in, and that's the industry we lived in. Now, if you're not authentic, people are mad at you for it, and I'm glad because you should 
be able to be honest with who you are. And if anything, I felt like a stronger entertainer and a stronger performer and a, a better human because I've been able to live in that honesty, honesty publicly. My work is just, I, I get to do more of the things I love. I don't have to live in the box that people tell me to live in. I'm not told you can go out for this role and you can't go out for this one simply because I'm gay. It's like I've always idolized people like David Bowie, Elton John, um, Jim Carrey, uh, Robin Williams. Like I love people who have a variety of work. And, and I mentioned both singing and acting because those worlds I live in and those are the people I look up to because they're authentic and they're kind and they work hard and they're not scared to – take a risk and to be bold and different and be okay with criticism and know that at the end of the day, it's just an opinion. I so admire everything you said and who you are. Um, I just, you know, it's, I, I think that that is all true. Um, I interviewed um, Michael Kearns um, a few years ago. He was um, one of the very first out actors in the 80s that he did a bunch of TV shows and like Cheers and different things. And his experience, I mean, he reflects a lot of what you're saying even then. And it's, you know, it, it, you know, it's just so ironic of gay men being told how to be gay on film. You know, it's just like, because there's this persona that is manufactured that isn't, isn't really us and your ability to play the real deal is um, much more important. I mean, even like in um, uh, Barbie Boys, it's you embrace feminine things and you have, you know, you have camp and you have style and everything else. And yet it's like, it's not like that, say, effeminate artificiality that people do over gay people. I mean, it's, it's real. It's the the real thing, and it's 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 huge. Um, I I wanted to ask you because I knew about that about that you you had kind of agreed with yourselves back then that you know Garrett was the public guy and Gary was the private guy. Um, have Garrett mm-hmm. and Gary melded more presently than, um, or do you still have like the Marilyn Monroe, Norma Jean? personas that that you keep from each other um i would say that i think it's developed into more of a whole as before i felt like it was a split life um it's all me and it's all real i think now i'm getting to have fun as like who i would who i've always loved and want like knew that I was when I was a kid, I get to have fun with that. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not sitting around in multicolored outfits in my house when I'm cuddling <laughs> my dogs and playing video games. But that oh, damn. Makes, <laughs> but that makes it fun. Like, I, there's still, there is a bit of, like, when I'm doing my work, I, you know, if I'm in the music or the dancing elements or in the acting elements, I love the glamour of of the job. I think that's the most fun of it. And I think we've kind of been missing that in entertainment for a minute where it's all feeling so heavy and so sad. And don't get me wrong. 
I believe that there's important stories that need to be told, and those are serious stories. I want to be a part, someone who can also help tell those stories. But I want, to, I want it to feel balanced in that I want to be able to help tell those stories, but I also want to tell fun ones and, how, and, and give a little bit of that glamour to, to why we fell in love with, like, you know, the Hollywood and movies and concerts and singing and dancing in the first place. So to me, my goal is to be a well-rounded entertainer and someone that can do both. And outside of that, when I'm home, like, I'm in sweatpants and playing video games and playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm not proud nerd. And I will never, like, one of my favorite people is Jamie Lee Curtis. Man, I wish I could have went to the World of Warcraft premiere and dressed up in an outfit with her. Yeah. No, no, it's so funny. I just wrote an article about her, and, yeah, it's like, and she is authentic. And the thing, I one of the things, though, I really love about the stuff that you have put out is not just the, the fun external stuff, but, you know, I love listening to your podcast, Gay in the Life. I love the videos with you and your husband, Blake, um, especially with your wedding and your romance, your real romance and the, the real love. Because it's like that is um, – it's not stylized. It's not for anybody else. It's just real authentic. And you guys show the through line between what it's like to be both best friends, articulate intelligence, and looks are also a thing. I mean, it, it is, it, it's inspiring. And I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell you this coming from somebody who is a visible gay dad, for years when there weren't a lot, and I was told this by a lot of people, that younger kids, younger gay guys, that they love seeing that because by living that way publicly, they could see what was possible for them. And you guys are doing that with your journey and putting it out there. Um, and to that end, I want to ask you, it's like you, you were together and then the ability to marry came up while not – not you hadn't just gotten together. I mean, it was it came about after you had been in a relationship for quite a while. What was that yes. like for you to have society catch up to you? Um, I think it was interesting because you know there was somebody that was. I read a quote by someone who, you know, when when uh, marriage was legalized for all of us. They had said, well, that's not for me because, you know, we as, as queer people are allowed to live the life we choose that has always been, you know, denied us. And I don't want to be married because I reject heteronormative things. And I was like, you know, more power to you. For me, it was that we were able to pronounce our love for each other after having gone through so much privately. Like we always say we, we were kind of forced into a reversed relationship. We, a lot of people get to do the honeymoon phase and go to parties and clubs and do all that stuff up top. We did all of our nesting first because nobody could know we were together. So we went through a lot of the hard things, a lot of the trust building, a lot of the really hard conversations about what do we want and I had a huge guilt complex because of the whole thing. And I was like, look, 
if you don't want to go through this, you do not have to be with me. I will love you forever, but I don't want to force you into this because this isn't fun. And this, I would never demand or ask this of you. And he was, and you know, I'm, I'm very lucky and grateful because he was such a, a big support system and like, no, I'm not leaving you. And we're getting through this together because I know that if I leave you, they're going to destroy you and they're going to destroy who you are. And I don't want that to happen because you're enough right now. You're enough. It's them who they're, they're fucked up. You're not. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately we don't have a choice and you don't have a choice. So let's get through it together. And then at the end, we've made it through and it's over. And we, you know what? We didn't know if that was ever going to come, but man, am I grateful it did. Well, your husband is brilliant, and that is, I mean, he should be bottled and sold as a, a prototype for all husbands. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, one thing you guys have talked about, and I'm sure you've only been married a year, so I'm pretty sure this this is not even part of the discussion yet, but what are you we guys thinking years, towards family? We've been 12. Oh, okay. So, but still you're technically newlyweds so you know i'm going to play your mother it's like you know so when are the grandkids coming (laughs) um i think we're deciding you know we wanted we would love to have a big family i think we're figuring out um the state of the world and if we feel guilty Either uh, we would right now we feel a little bit guilty bringing new humans into it, but we have talked about. Um, did you ever you remember that movie Hook? Oh yeah. You remember um, uh, Maggie Smith's character in it? We really love yep. her narrative in that when she's old and all of these people from the foster system. You know, she helped give them homes when they needed it, and that kind of has inspired us a lot. So we've talked about a lot about the foster and adoption system and how it's really broken. But if we can be a conduit or like a, a path for young people who need support and help and love, and that can help them, you know, whether they're about to graduate or they're little kids or whatever it is, like we want to help give people who need good homes somewhere to go. So if we don't, if we don't feel comfortable bringing humans into new humans into the the boiling world um we have talked a lot about foster and adoption uh we don't know what that looks like yet with the state of the industry because they're trying to scan our faces and never pay us so we don't know what this looks like yet but our hope is that we can end up in that kind of pocket well if you ever need advice or anything on that feel free to give me a call because i'm the poster boy for it it's like my my sons were were born and i'm really serious about that um my my sons were born both um from drug addict moms which spoke to me because i come from recovery um and we i got them when they were babies uh one just turned 21 the other is 20 and they are the best guys on the planet. I adore them, so proud of them. And, um, yeah, so I, it's not for everybody, but um, it could be for you guys. And, um, you know, I, I obviously had the same point of view you do. 
Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, happy happy to share insights on that. If you guys get serious Thank about you. it, because it's um, it is we are it's the best thing I ever did. So yeah, absolutely. So um, I love hearing that. Yeah, no, it it is. I I mean, and it 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 isn't easy. I'm not gonna. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I mean, like you know, be real. But it's um, but you know, if you go into it and you master it, it. no. And I, you're the type of person that has the strength to do it, honestly, because what you've been through and you've taken hold of things and expressing yourself the way you have, you know, it's like you're 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 going to manage it versus it managing you, which is what you've done in your whole career. So, you know, you know, it's I, I I'm not trying to advocate for it or talk you into it, but I I definitely could see a match there. But we're down Thank to our you. last three minutes. Oh, my, thank you. Oh, my God. Thank you for being you. Um, last three minutes where, um, you know, they can find Barbie boys everywhere. Um, what is coming up next for you that we should be out looking sure. out for? I love Thank you. Uh, well, you can find Barbie boys on all streaming platforms. Um, and we are, you know, I'm happy to say that we have another track coming next month uh, for Electric Disco Lover. And then in October, we're excited to uh, to launch the I Put a Spell on You track onto streaming platforms, which I know it was a hit online, but we've never uh, put it onto Spotify and Apple and everything. So, um, you know, we're going to keep releasing tracks. We have great stuff coming up at the top of next year. And there's so the, there's loads of music there. And if you want to see a musical and you're – on the East Coast, I'm going to be starring as Frankenfurter in uh, Rocky Horror in Rochester, New York. Um, and then I'll be popping down to do Exorcistic at the Box in New York. And then on the West Coast in October, I'm going to be singing and Swinging with the Mouse for two nights on the 29th and 30th. Um, and then I always have online content going on. And then we have a lot of fun stuff in the works that's coming up with uh, – with different projects that are being developed and, uh, you know, whenever the industry has started, that'll be fun to make. But right now I'm really focused on live performance, music, and the, the digital space. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm getting the feeling you don't get to spend a whole lot of time in those sweatpants. But anyway, <laughs> we are out of time. Garrett Clayton, you are a gem, a doll, and a national treasure, and um, can't wait to see everything that's coming next. You guys heard the song Barbie Boys. Um, Download it, get it, dance to it, watch for more, and we will be back again next week with another show. It's going to be a great show, but honestly, I don't know if it could beat Garrett. Garrett was pretty much up there at the top. But we will have a great show for you next week as well. So thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again very, very soon. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio.